I don't suppose the name Lewis Wallace is well known to many of us here. A picture may not improve the situation. Other than if you're a detective, by his beard and uniform, you might guess that he comes from a different era and was a military man. And both facts are correct. General Lou Wallace, as he was best known, was born in Indiana, in the United States, in 1827. And after training as a lawyer and serving as a state senator, he joined the Union Army in the American Civil War and rose to the rank of Major General. After the war, he served on the court-martial of the assassins of President Lincoln. And then he became governor of New Mexico Territory, helping to bring the outlaw Billy the Kid to justice. Quite a checkered career. However, his greatest claim to fame lies elsewhere. One day in 1875, General Lew Wallace sat on a train for two hours listening spellbound while a fellow officer, a well-known and brilliant agnostic named Colonel Robert Ingersoll, poured out what Wallace described as a medley of argument, eloquence, wit, satire, audacity, irreverence, poetry, brilliant antithesis, and pungent excoriation of believers in God, Christ, and heaven, the like of which he said I had never heard before. Lou Wallace was shocked and challenged. Here's his words. At that time, speaking candidly, he wrote, I was not in the least influenced by religious sentiment. I had no convictions about God or Christ. I neither believed nor disbelieved them. But now he began to ask himself, was the colonel right? What had I on which to answer, yes or no? He made me ashamed of my ignorance. And so, like many before and since, he resolved to investigate the facts and seek out the evidence about Jesus of Nazareth. What were the results of his inquiry? He names two results. Listen carefully, and you'll see why you should know him. It only remains to say that I did as resolved with results. First, the book Ben-Hur, and second, a conviction amounting to absolute belief in God and the divinity of Christ. While few of us may have heard of Lou Wallace, almost all of us know the story of Ben-Hur. Not from the book, which was a bestseller in its day, but from the film made in 1959, winner of 11 Oscars and hailed as one of the greatest movies of all time. I was doing some research on the net and I discovered in 1902, long before the film was made, Ben-Hur was even performed on stage. The chariot race being reenacted with eight horses galloping on treadmills against a background of painted scenery turning on giant rollers. Now there's a challenge for the Saltman <laughs> Theatre Company. Although I hasten to add, I cannot see us getting it past the elders in Charlotte Chapel. <laughs> During this past week, the Saltman Theatre Company have performed another play, The Vigil, in this church as part of the Edinburgh Fringe. And it's a play with the same subject matter as Lou Wallace's Ben-Hur. <clears throat> the life of Jesus and the most important question 
this question upon which the Christian faith stands or falls. Professor C. E. M. Jode, philosopher, original member of the BBC Radio's famous Brains Trust from the 1950s, was once asked the question, who in past history would you most like to meet and what would you like to ask them? This is what he said. I would most like to meet Jesus Christ and I would have asked him, did you or did you not rise from the dead? And that was the question the vigil posed for us. For those who didn't attend, and you missed something really great, the play is a courtroom drama which looks at the evidence from various witnesses. No final verdict is given. You, the audience, were the jury, and each person had to give his or her own verdict at the end. Did Jesus rise from the dead? And the evidence, as Lou Wallace and a host of other serious seekers have discovered, is overwhelming. A former Lord Chief Justice of England declared, the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is so strong that no intelligent jury in the world would fail to bring in a verdict that the resurrection story is true. And the reason that so many people have failed to reach such a conclusion is not because they have examined the evidence and found it wanting or unconvincing, but rather they have failed to take it seriously and to explore it thoroughly. And I want to challenge you, if you've never done this, to undertake that step as a matter of urgency. But you may ask, even if this happened, why is it so important that Jesus rose from the dead? What does it matter that the tomb of Jesus was empty? And I want to leave you with three simple yet important reasons why it is vital to understand that Jesus rose from the dead and why he rose from the dead. It tells us at least three things. The first thing it tells us is what I would say is mission accomplished. Jesus came to earth, the Bible tells us, on a rescue mission. Even before he was born, an angel told his parents, you will call him Jesus because the name Jesus means saviour. He will save his people from their sins. The word sins and sin is not a very popular word these days. We prefer to talk of mistakes, errors, shortcomings, failings. Sins are all of these. But sins particularly relate those things to God. Sins are offences against God. The result of going our own way in our lives, as Robin described in his own experience, doing what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. And all of us are guilty, though we don't like to admit it. All of us, the Bible says, are sinners. The result of this is not just that our lives are ruined and in a mess, but that we ourselves are separated from the God for whom we were made. You and I are made for a purpose, to know God. Only in that do our lives make sense, do we find fulfilment. And nothing can put that right. Nothing we can do. The verdict of the Bible is the wages of sin is death. Physical death, spiritual death, separation from God forever. And God would have been fully justified in abandoning us to our own just deserts. But instead, God in love sent Jesus on a rescue mission to save us from our sins. The best verse in the Bible, best known verse, at least reference anyway, you see it at all those sporting events, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Jesus carried out this mission. He came to earth. He lived like us. He was tested as we are, yet he never succumbed to sin. He never yielded to temptation. Finally, he took the punishment that we deserved by dying in our place on a cross. 
He was, as someone famously put it, the man who was born to die. And after he was dead, his body was taken from the cross, laid in a tomb, and a huge stone was rolled against the tomb with a guard of soldiers. But was his mission successful? If he remained in the tomb, then at best you could say he was a good man. But his mission had failed. If Christ is not risen, we're still in the same mess in our sins. But by raising him from the dead, bringing him back to life, God showed that the mission of his son was successful. And now, through Jesus alone, we can be brought back to God, into that relationship for which we were made. Our sin can be forgiven. We can be put right with God. And that is why the disciples of Jesus turned from fearful cowards, hiding away for fear, into bold witnesses, and they went everywhere telling people, through Jesus... God can put you right with himself and forgive your sin. No wonder Christians call this gospel good news. That's what gospel means. And it's still the same good news for each one of us here who hear and respond to it. So the empty tomb of Jesus means mission accomplished. The second thing it means is death defeated. It was Woody Allen who said, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be around when it happens. All of us live with the fear of death. We say, where there's life, there's hope. But where there's death, what is there? No hope. But the good news about Jesus is not only did he die for our sins, but he rose from the grave and broke the power of death. He showed that death is not the end. That physical death is not the end. There is life beyond the grave, eternal life. The full verse I quoted says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. A restored relationship with Jesus begins now. A new relationship, and even when you die, that's not the end of the story. The resurrection of Jesus takes away the fear of death, but it is a gift, a free gift, that we must receive. So the empty tomb of Jesus means mission accomplished, death defeated, and finally it says something about Jesus, thirdly. Thirdly, it means Jesus exalted. The resurrection of Jesus, that unique event, shows that he is no ordinary person. No, he is marked out by God as the most important person in time and in history. The Bible uses a term, it says, Jesus is Lord. In what was probably one of the very first Christian hymns ever to be written, recorded in one of the letters that a man called Paul wrote, he describes how Jesus humbled himself and died on the cross and he said, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One day, every person will bow the knee and confess that Jesus is Lord. The wise person does it willingly before that final day of judgment when we stand before God. Many people say, I'm not too keen on the church, but I think Jesus was a wonderful man. Can I encourage you, if you've not got a Bible, I'll give you one if you want one, but read what Jesus actually said. He said some astounding things. Let me leave one with you. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, a time is coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God himself, and those who hear will live. For God the Father has granted the Son authority to judge 
because He is the Son of Man. He became one of us. The Son of Man became the Son of God. And Jesus is both Saviour and Judge. And His resurrection shows that He's exalted to the highest place. And if He is not your Saviour now, He will be your Judge then. The resurrection of Jesus means that God has exalted Him to the place of highest authority. So did Jesus really rise from the dead? If not, then all that Christians believe is an illusion. A deception at worst. An illusion at best. We may as well make the most of this life, for that's all there is. But if he did rise from the dead, nothing is more important. And I simply want to say to you this evening, this is a matter of the utmost seriousness. And I urge you to take it seriously. Look at the evidence. Sign up for our Christianity Explored course where you can investigate the claims of Jesus, ask any questions you like in a non-threatening atmosphere. But the evidence is not everything. It's what you do with the evidence that counts. Unless the evidence leads to an experience of Jesus Christ, an encounter with the risen Christ, then it's a waste of time. And I want to say this evening, if you have questions, the little booklet you'll find on the stairs called Ultimate Questions, you can take a copy of that with you, answers questions from the Bible. There's a little one called Journey into Life. Describes life as a journey and how you can encounter Jesus Christ. At the back of it, there's a little prayer you can pray if you want to become a Christian. Some of you may be just starting out and maybe you've never heard this before. It's just a beginning, an awakening of interest. God will use that in your life. If you seek Him, you'll find Him. He'll find you if you're serious about it. Some of you know all of this already, but you've never taken that final step of trusting in Christ. And I want to encourage you this evening to do that. In the back of this is that little booklet. Just take it along and read it. These two booklets are both free, of course, and you can just take them with you. Can I also say that after you leave, down in the lounge, you'll see people with badges on. If you want to talk to someone, we'd be delighted to speak to you. If you've got some issue, you'd like us to pray with you. Like Robin said, that one man said, can I pray with you? Imagine in a square in Amsterdam. Probably wouldn't have done it in Edinburgh in case any of his policemen and friends saw him and arrested him for uh, looking around, doing something rather strange. But if we can pray with you, got some issue in your life you want to talk about, there are people through that door there is our vestry and there'll be someone in there who'd be willing to chat with you in confidence and we'd love to speak with you stay for coffee if you're able afterwards and you'll find folk around there if you don't belong to a church family we just welcome you to come any Sunday we meet at 11, 6.30 it's very full this evening, it's much more full when 250 students come back as well but we'll find a seat for you and it'd be lovely to see you on any Sunday and we'd just love to get to know you better and can I again extend the welcome that we gave at the beginning to you and thank you very much for coming the church aren't going to believe this but that's the end of my short address and we're going to finish by singing a great hymn at the end